folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week, I wanted to have a talk about so-called fake CVEs that seem to be emanating out of MITRE and a recent discussion that I saw actually from the Risky Biz newsletter. So if you're not familiar, Risky Biz is an awesome uh, cybersecurity and infosec news podcast that happens every week. Uh, actually, it comes out of Australia like myself. But uh, yeah, they also do a newsletter and they had a really good discussion about uh, some recent so-called fake CVEs. So I thought that was really interesting to talk about, particularly as they pertain to open source software. And we will do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases this past week. So let's just dive into that. So there were 83 Unix CVEs addressed by the team this past week. And up first was an update for PHP. Uh, one really interesting here I thought was in the handling of XML. So in this case, PHP uses the libxml library, which is a pretty common library used for XML handling. It's produced, I think, originally by the GNOME project. Uh, but yeah, C library for uh, handling XML. Uh, this then maintains global state for things like whether XML external entities should be loaded when it is parsing XML. Uh, however, uh, it then gets confused because PHP also uses ImageMagick under the hood for image handling and ImageMagick itself also uses libxml for things like SVG parsing and the like. And so then what can happen is uh, through ImageMagick that can then end up doing things like enabling external entity loading and that then means that that is enabled globally because they're all using the same uh, libxml version under the hood and the same shared global state for that. And then as a result, when it then goes to load XML documents, they also then can load external entities and now you've got yourself a nice XML external entity attack as a result. That can then obviously be used to do things like read and disclose local files and the like. So that was fixed then by making PHP set a local context with libxml when it went to load uh, this document itself to explicitly turn off external entity handling rather than relying on the global context. Uh, also in this update, there was a fix for a stack buffer overflow that could occur when reading directory entries from uh, PHP AR archives or FAR archives, the sort of standard way of uh, distributing PHP packages. And those updates go for uh, PHP in Ubuntu 22.04 and 23.04, so a couple of recent releases there. After that was an update for the fast DDS package also for Ubuntu 22.04 and 23.04. In this case, FastDDS is a C++ implementation of uh, the DDS standard, uh, which is kind of like a PubSub model for connecting software components to each other. Uh, it's used in a lot of different contexts. Uh, in a previous life, uh, I was looking at DDS uh, when uh, the company I was at was looking at the Adaptive AutoStar platform uh, for kind of connecting different uh, ECUs or electronic control units and the software running on those within a car environment and having them talk to each other. So yeah, it's really, uh, I guess, a standard way of sort of just publishing data on a local network. In this case, uh, of these uh, seven different CVEs that were fixed, uh, there was denial of service that could be triggered through traffic flood uh, that was fixed by implementing an exponential backoff um, regime for authentication requests. There were also various other denial of services that could be triggered through uh, di reaching different assertion failures, uh, unhandled exceptions, and a couple heat buffer overflows as well thrown in for good measure, as always in uh, you know C++ libraries and the like. Uh, speaking of C++ libraries and the like, the next update was for uh, Jose. This is a C library for the implementation of the JavaScript object signing and encryption standard. Uh, this is for Ubuntu releases going all the way back to 18.04, which is now uh, in Ubuntu Pro, all the way through to 23.04. 
in this case, a single CV here where uh, the AES GCM decryption routine uh, used the tag length value from the authentication tag that was provided within uh, the JWE header, Java Web Encryption header, uh, rather than the fixed length of 16 that it should have been using for that. As a result, then an attacker could provide a crafted JWE header with a shorter authentication tag that would then trigger a buffer overflow on the receiver side, uh, therefore resulting in a crash and denial of service or possible info leak through that. That was fixed obviously just to use that fixed length. Uh, libqb was updated for a single CVE. Uh, this is a bunch of tooling for generating man pages from Doxygen XML files. So probably not being used by everyone, but uh, in this case, it was a heat buffer overflow that could be triggered through an overly long input line uh, when outputting certain log messages. So yeah, a bit of a trivial one there, but that was fixed for Ubuntu 22.04 and 23.04 again as well. Uh, after that is kernel updates. So as always, shout out to the kernel team for all of their awesome work managing all of these and rolling in uh, all the various fixes that go into that. Uh, there was an update for uh, one of our older kernels. So that's the 4.4 kernel, which was uh, the general availability kernel, the release kernel in Ubuntu 16.04 when that was released and that's still being maintained by the kernel team. It's also used as kind of like the hardware enablement kernel for Ubuntu 14.04 if you're still running that. Both of those releases now are in their extended security maintenance period uh, covered by Ubuntu Pro. I mentioned a bunch of these last week, so you know, check out that episode if you want to hear a few of them. But just as a quick summary, uh, we had uh, deadlocks in the device mapper and uh, the digital video broadcasting core drivers. A use after free in the HFS plus file system implementation, as well as the virtual terminal driver and uh, the NetFilter network packet classifier as well. Uh, and out of bounds right in the quick fair queuing network scheduler. As well, uh, all of these well, all of these could therefore lead to denial of service through either deadlocking the CPU or a crash. Uh, but those use after freeze and out of bounds right, they could lead to possible code execution as well. They've all been fixed. Uh, so going through uh, the rest of the kernel updates, try and make these pretty quick because yeah, there's a lot of vulnerabilities fixed in these. So I'll just give you the highlights of the kernels themselves. So uh, 24 CVEs fixed for uh, Ubuntu 22.04. That's a 5.15 kernel uh, and that is for uh, used on different Google Cloud environments. So GCP and GKE. That's also available for Ubuntu 20.04 as well. Uh, the 5.4 kernel, again, uh, used in cloud environments, so that's on GKE for Ubuntu 20.04 plus used on IBM as well on Ubuntu 18.04 was fixed for 16 CVEs. Uh, roughly the same 16 CVEs, but then rolled into a 5.4 based kernel, which is used on certain IBM platforms as well as the NVIDIA Bluefield platform. Uh, this is uh, NVIDIA's uh, data processing unit family that uses uh, different ARM CPU cores that come from Mellanox, but uh, NVIDIA bought out Mellanox a few years ago, so that's now NVIDIA as well, that hardware. Uh, but yeah, 16 CVEs rolled into that one. Uh, 11 CVEs for Ubuntu 2204 uh, users, so the most recent LTS release. Uh, that's for basically all of the different platforms that Ubuntu 2204 is targeted for. So both obviously just a standard generic kernel as well as flavors for GKE, NVIDIA, IBM, GCP, KVM, Oracle, AWS, and the low latency kernel version. Also, they go uh, as well for Ubuntu 2004 because that is used as a hardware enablement kernel there for that release. So this update... Uh, brings in the fixes for Zenbleed, which I talked about uh, in back episode 204, plus uh, gather data sampling, which I talked to in episode 205. Uh, both of these, uh, when I talked about them, that was because we'd released microcode updates from AMD and Intel respectively. We're now also shipping the associated kernel fixes. 
So for the Zenbleed or the AMD uh, issue that enables a workaround uh, in the kernel if the microcode is not actually available, which is good because AMD only released uh, microcode for their server line of uh, processors, the Epic uh, processors. They didn't release it for the standard Ryzen uh, Threadripper and all the rest of those, which means a lot of uh, those aren't necessarily covered because you need then a BIOS update from your uh, hardware vendor for that. Uh, so that then means you've at least now got a workaround in place for those platforms to mitigate that. But for Intel, uh, their uh, kernel support here really is just providing a sysfs file where you can see if the uh, mitigation is place is in place from the microcode or not. Uh, in the case of Intel, that microcode uh, does cover a lot more platforms. So odds on you have got now an updated microcode there that has patched that on your systems. Uh, but if not, you can mitigate that vulnerability by entirely disabling AVX uh, with the clear CPU ID equals AVX uh, boot command line option but that will have quite a performance impact by disabling those so I don't recommend that but if that is the only way you can mitigate that and you know you are running untrusted code on your hardware and you don't want it uh, essentially snooping on each other or snooping on kernel memory that would probably be a good idea. Uh, what else? So we've got an update for some of our OEM kernels so the 6.1 OEM kernel on 2204 uh, got an update as well as the uh, standard kernel for Ubuntu 2004 which is based on the upstream 5.4 kernel again available as hardware enablement for Ubuntu 18.04 users. Uh, similarly the kernel for Ubuntu 23.04 which is the most recent interim release uh, which is based on the upstream 6.2 kernel had an update for 10 CVs there and that's also now the hardware enablement kernel for our 22.04 users uh, so you can also enable that kernel and get access to you know, those extra hardware features through that as well. All right, so a few more to go through. We've got an update then for JSON-C for Ubuntu 22.04 users. In this case, it was a single CVE, which is a stack-based uh, buffer overread on crafted input. Uh, interestingly, the CVE description from Upstream says that it can allow code execution, but that's the first time that I've heard that an out-of-bounds read could give you code execution. Certainly, if it was an out-of-bounds write, I would expect that, but yeah, out-of-bounds read, I wouldn't have necessarily said that. Uh, moving on though, we had an update for FAAD2. This is a uh, audio decoding library. Uh, in this case, being written in C, again, we see the usual types of uh, vulnerabilities here. So various heap and stack buffer overflows, plus a null pointer dereference thrown in there for good measure. You know, therefore, all of those resulting in uh, denial of service or possible code execution through uh, the heap and stack buffer overflows as well. AMD microcode was updated again, uh, this time for the more recent inception or so-called RAS poisoning uh, attack. Uh, this is similar to the original Spectre v2 vulns uh, and it's another variant really of a speculative execution attack that in this case can use the branch prediction buffer to cause an incorrectly speculated return to be executed by the processor uh, which then you can infer that through a case uh, timing side channel attack to therefore read kernel memory as a result. So yeah, again similar but just using a slightly different uh, microarchitectural buffer as a result and that uh, goes all the way back to Ubuntu 16.04 and all the releases since. Uh, we had an update for Firefox, the latest upstream release, uh, version 117, rolling in 11 CVE fixes there from Mozilla for our, our Ubuntu 20.04 uh, users. And finally, OpenJDK was updated. Uh, in this case, it's not actually vulnerability fixes, but it's a fix for a regression in the most recent update to OpenJDK for a bunch of vulnerabilities. So in episode 204, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, how we'd updated OpenJDK. 
In this case, Upstream unfortunately introduced a regression in the handling of uh, jar archives and others that if had they if they had been created with an older version of Ant or similar uh, Java tools, they would then actually fail to be read uh, by this new version of OpenJDK. So yeah, not a great uh, issue to have there, but that has now been fixed. And that is now out to all those Ubuntu users as well. And that is it for the week in security updates. Okay, so the other thing that caught my attention this week was uh, an article in the most recent edition of the Risky Biz newsletter. I've got a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and read, but basically it was triggered by uh, a LinkedIn post, I think actually, from Dan Lorenk from uh, ChainGuard. Uh, those guys do a heap of kind of like uh, container level um, security, uh, particularly looking at things like software bill of materials and uh, verified bills and the like. Uh, but he was talking about how he had seen how there had been a heap of different CVEs that were assigned uh, just over a week ago now, so on the 22nd of August 2023, against a fair number of open source projects, including things like Curl, uh, PostgreSQL, uh, Python, uh, NASM, uh, the assembler, uh, ImageMagick, and a bunch of others. And he talked about how each of those refers to either some bug report or a patch that was sent to the upstream project or maybe a post on the upstream project's mailing list, then mentioning you know, a fix for what looked like a vulnerability, so a buffer overflow or a use after free or an integer overflow or something like that. So the kind of thing that you know a lot of the vulnerabilities we talk about on this podcast and that we see, you know, th these are the type of things we always see. However, what was interesting about these is that pretty well for all of them, uh, the upstream project uh, had never been consulted on that vulnerability. They'd never agreed that they were a real vulnerability. And since then, uh, a bunch of those projects have come out and actually disavowed those vulnerabilities. So I've got links uh, to those statements, particularly from uh, the PostgreSQL project and from Curl for their vulnerabilities respectively. So in the case of Postgres, the issue is that uh, you can cause a denial of service against Postgres by sending a repeated uh, number of SIGCARP signals uh, at the main Postgres process. Now, to do that though, you obviously need to have privileged local access to be able to send that signal to it. Uh, you need to obviously be either the Postgres user or a root to be able to do that, which you know means you've obviously got some privileged access to the machine already. Um, but you also then need to have access to the Postgres super user within the database as well. And if you have all of those things, you know, you really can probably cause a lot more damage than just being able to basically DOS the server. Um, you're not really, this isn't really a real vulnerability. There's no privilege boundary being crossed here because you already have those privileges. So yeah, that's, they sort of say this isn't a real vulnerability and I would certainly agree with that. In the case of the curl vulnerability, that was described as an integer overflow in the retry delay command line option. Now you can probably see where this is going, but uh, in this case, retry delay allows you to specify a certain delay that curl will uh, execute before retrying in the case of say an error. Uh, to, it will take that value, which you specify as a number of seconds, it will multiply it by a thousand as a number of milliseconds and then sleep for that long before retrying again. So you can see that if you provide a really large value for that, it multiplies that by a thousand. You know, if you provide a value that's just a bit smaller than say max int, that will then overflow and you know, you'll get your traditional uh, integer overflow. However, unlike where we normally see integer overflows that are then say being used as the length for some parameter in a buffer and then uh, you know, getting used as the length in a memory copy or something like that that happens afterwards, this is just being used uh, to make curl essentially sleep for a bit longer or shorter in this case as it would be. So instead of sleeping for the you know billion seconds that you were specifying it for, it may only sleep for a few seconds before retrying. But this isn't a vulnerability, you know, it's a bug, but it's not a vulnerability. And in 
in fact, it's kind of uh, ridiculous, really, when you when you think about it. And so, again, this is another case of a CVE that was assigned for something that isn't really a vulnerability. It's a bug, but it's not a vulnerability. Uh, and so, uh, Dan Lorenk from Chainguard, he kind of posited that these were likely had just been scraped automatically, that there was something out there that was crawling the web looking for strings like uh, FSL buffer overflow or integer overflow, whatever it might be, and then uh, getting CVEs filed for them automatically. But... Uh, we can go a bit further here than just kind of imagining. We can actually see who filed the CVEs. And if we do that, you can see all of them were actually assigned by uh, MITRE, who is the upstream custodian of the CVE database. And they're, as a result, they're the CNA or CVE numbering authority of last resort. It basically means that if you found a vulnerability and you're not too sure who should assign a CVE for it, you can go to MITRE, and I've got a link to it in the show notes. You go to cveform.mitre.org, and you could submit those details and uh, engineers at MITRE's end will then analyze that and determine, yes, is this a real vulnerability or not? And maybe assign your CVE or maybe they won't. Uh, so we would like to think that all the CV CNAs before they assign CVEs are doing their due diligence, checking that these things look like real vulnerabilities and uh, you know, therefore assigning a CVE or not based on that. But it looks like maybe that's not happening in this case. And uh, Daniel Bagder, the upstream curl maintainer, he actually had a blog post earlier in the year where he was disputing uh, things like CVSS scores, so the severity scores that are given to uh, different curl CVEs, essentially saying that you know MITRE aren't doing a good job of evaluating the severity when they assign CVEs. And it looks like we can kind of see something similar here. MITRE aren't necessarily doing a good job of evaluating whether a bug really does have a security impact and therefore whether it should be a CVE or not. Uh, Daniel also mentioned that he uh, applied to MITRE to have that CVE rejected, but they, they rejected his request. So again, even when you've got the upstream project now saying to an organization like MITRE, hey, this CVE isn't valid, you know, you, you should be rejecting it. You know, they haven't gone and done that. So it really feels a bit like something has broken down there a bit. The other thing, I guess, that the uh, Risky Biz newsletter post states is that you know this is creating a bunch of work for these upstream projects who are usually pretty overworked anyway and they're usually volunteers, which is the case in open source. And that's obviously right. But it doesn't just create work for them. It also creates work for all the downstream consumers like Ubuntu and other distros that consume those CVEs and then you know we have to triage them against all the software that we have. So every day we've got people uh, triaging potentially hundreds of different CVEs against all the different uh, software that's in Ubuntu, that, you know, all the new CVEs that have come out in the last 24 hours. And that takes time for us to, to do that for all of those. And for each of those, we need to figure out, is, you know, is this a, a real vulnerability? Usually we assume that they are, otherwise a CVE wouldn't have been assigned. But then what is the impact of it? And therefore, do we need to patch it quickly or not? And so in the case of these kind of vulnerabilities, you know, that's just creating more work where we need to dig into it and assess the impact. And therefore, in a lot of these, we'd go, well, no, we don't need to necessarily patch this straight away, which is what we did with uh, the curl CVE. And actually, the uh, curl maintainer sort of gave a shout out to our team on that. Uh, so, you know, thanks, thanks to Mark in particular and our team for doing the right thing there and making sure that we appropriately triaged that as saying, you know, it didn't need uh, fixing at all. But uh, it's, I guess what I found interesting about this is it kind of feels like it's flipping uh, the standard Linux kernel mantra on its head. Now, if you're not familiar, uh, Linus, uh, Linus Torvalds, the creator of Linux kernel and the benevolent dictator for the Linux kernel, uh, once said, and I think he still believes it, that uh, security problems are just bugs. And basically, in that, he was kind of saying that you know, we we shouldn't be necessarily calling out uh, security fixes in kernel changelog and the like. And they can just be fixed like normal bugs. And then if everyone takes all the bug fixes, they get all the security fixes as well. 
And so uh, if you're taking all the current, say, stable patches, then you're getting both security fixes and bug fixes and your kernels are secure. And the kernel developers, Greg Crow-Hartman and others, kind of say this is the only way to make sure that your kernel is secure. And yeah, I don't disagree. I think that is true, particularly for the Linux kernel, when there are so many fixes going into that and uh, the security impact of those has not necessarily been ascertained or not. And so the only way that, uh, particularly say in Ubuntu, that we keep the kernel secure is our kernel team is constantly merging in those stable series into the different kernels we maintain. So yeah, in the kernel, you know, you need to take all bug fixes to get all security fixes. But it kind of feels like in this case, they're saying that all bugs are security bugs because you know all of these bugs should just get cves and i guess what i found interesting really is that uh, risky viz called them fake cves but i wouldn't necessarily use that terminology i would say that uh they're you know not really uh, vulnerabilities but they are real cves they're, they're not fraudulent it's not like um just someone off the street has just said hey here's a cve given it some random id and published some details these are real cves that have been assigned by mitre by the cna of last resort they should be able to be trustworthy but something is clearly going wrong here and breaking down so yeah i wouldn't have called them fake cves they're not fraudulent but i'd just say they're not actual vulnerabilities you know, but they are cves and so that means that is why they're wasting time for everyone because they have been published by uh, MITRE who probably should know better. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this plays out uh, but obviously if consumers are going to or, or if different downstreams are going to lose trust in uh, the CVEs that's going to kind of put the whole ecosystem in a bit of jeopardy because whilst we know CVEs do have a lot of shortcomings uh, they are really the, the currency that everyone operates with in the open source community in particular. They're the global de facto for vulnerability tracking. So yeah let's hope that we can i guess maybe either hear some details from that from mitre as to what happened there and you know, are they improving their processes or not and can we i guess get a bit more clarity on what went down all right so uh that is it for this week's episode uh if you've got any thoughts about anything you've heard this week or anything else of ubuntu security related you can always uh, email us security ubuntu.com or you can come chat to us in the ubuntu security channel on the chat. or you can hit us up on mastodon we are at ubuntu security at fosterdon.org if you want to talk to us there Thanks again for listening, everyone, for another week. I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.